Everybody, and welcome to another installment of Show to V with Mike G, the show of life, the show of entrepreneurialism, the show of taking it easy, Mescal and Ricea. Today's guest is the incredible co-collaborator and creator of Fidencio Mescal, the importer for La Venenosa, and all those beautiful Durumbes Mescal, Marks, Mr. Arik Torin. Great guy, easy going, and he has shifted the narrative. He has shifted the conversation about agave spirits, and he was in Austin recently. We both attended a brilliant tasting of all the mascals, and we sat out on the porch at Las Perlas in Austin, Texas, and talked about life. So without further ado, I hope you guys enjoyed this great chat with Arc Torn of Fidencio Mescal. I like people, I do, and I also, I, I like the downtime as well, Yeah, you know? I've been working with people all of my working life, you know? I've been, like, with, in restaurants, in bars, right. um, on the, the, the promotion or the selling or the education and, uh, of, of the brands that I work with, um, always with people. Um, and I love it. I'm yeah. grateful for it. And uh, yeah, it's nice to have some downtime too, as well. As a kid from Brooklyn, graduated uh-huh. high school there. Yes. So was the Aspen bit before going to school at Albany, or was it? Oh after? yeah, I went to uh, school at Albany after high school in New York, in Brooklyn. Yeah. And um, didn't graduate from there. Yeah. Uh, I I. I was um, I was fortunate enough to have the wisdom of not taking out student loans, and as I was going to school, uh, it was always something that was nagging on me that I really had no um, personal feeling of this was going to be a like the gateway to the next part of my life. Really? So I never felt that about. Um, college or university was there an expectation so i had some expectation from my folks oh They're like yeah. you should go yeah. i mean it, it, were they saying my fo- Ark, you got to do this thing parents man. society <laughs> you know it was um it it wasn't until i i i caught up with myself through snowboarding and landed in aspen and realized that there's a whole other way of approaching um, you know your future or your path or yeah. yourself than how it was from the perspective of uh, my immigrant parents and um, you know that very um, typical um, right like A plus path. B equals where, yeah where did they exactly. immigrate where did they immigrate from from Israel yeah, yeah. they they met here uh, in the United States so they both immigrated separately. Um, and um but obviously a lot in common of course yeah was yeah. snowboard I, I i skied uh-huh. i'm almost a little embarrassed because i should have been snowboarding with as much punk rock as i listened to <laughs> it's the same thing no like i i grew up as a skier but i when when i when i was in spending time doing it i gravitated towards snowboarding because i was able to interpret the mountain more from my own perspective on a snowboard than on skis, you know. Really? Felt like more. Well, back in those days, there wasn't. It was really in the beginning or before the beginning, just the, before the beginning of shortening skis and having the parabolics and having uh, the res- kind of the technological response from what we learned from snowboarding. Yeah, yeah. Uh, to to make turns, and for me, like. I was not. Um, I was never um, into the 
the speed of it, although I love the speed, but it was more about... <laughs> Your eyes just lit up, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> it was more about the exploration, the nooks and crannies on the mountain. Yeah. Um, and uh, I got into... I, I connected to that more with the snowboard. But I always... Um, I, I, I think of it as one and the same. You know, it's, you know, sliding down the mountain with nature and friends, um, getting a rush, yeah. and, 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 and having a... You know, physical and dare I say, spiritual moments throughout. I think know. being ensconced in nature is always spiritual. Yeah. Getting connected was. <laughs> what did you walk away from? What did you think that you wanted to do in the university? Business management, hospitality. No, I, I, I actually would have. Um, that would have been a both would have been very beneficial for me. <laughs> um, I, I, to be honest, um, at, in those, there was a lot, oh man, a lot of people around me. It was a very highly regarded state school yeah. that a lot of people went to um, with like the point of not getting an education, it seemed to me, but more of to get a degree, to go into the workforce and use the, that degree as a springboard into whatever you got through your working career gotcha. and um and i always and it just so there was a lot of like sociology majors and psychology majors <laughs> and um things like that in that school and there were sciences and this and that but um and i i felt um just detached from that type of education so what i wound up doing was taking things that I felt comfortable with with real learning or real learning for me which wound up being sciences so I and then I was like oh let me follow this path of like pharmacy that's yeah, a really right. tangible thing that's a I, I like learning chemistry and biology yeah and I started doing that and then I did an internship in a pharmacy and I was like um, <laughs> so on my next winter session I'm gonna go out to Summit County and uh, do a couch tour and get a ski pass <laughs> and um, came back, finished my last semester of the school that I did, worked the summer, saved a bunch of money, drove out to Aspen where I knew one guy, slept on his couch with the thought of, well, I'm, if I like it here, I'll stay because I, I knew in Summit County you couldn't make any money in, as I knew, in, in Aspen. Uh, you, there was a lot more opportunity to, to earn. Yeah. And the mountains are great, and, and, and I didn't know about the people, but I quickly learned. But the thought that was in the back of my head, well, if it doesn't really connect here, I'll just keep going to Squaw because that's where the big giant dumps are. <laughs> and they got tons and tons of stuff. And um, my first uh, week there was the, like, it was a week before Halloween, and then I, it's, it's off season, so my idea of getting there early and getting a job was just totally stupid because there were no jobs. Yeah. It's just mud. And, um, but I get, you know, the Double Diamond, this famous, Dude. amazing bar in Aspen, live music, and it's Halloween. And this band was playing, and I look back and I realized that everybody there, of course, was local, and everybody, it's about 350 people, and every single person was totally connected with like 250 of the 300 people there. So it was what, like... Was it a band that no? Zuma. Zuba. Zuba? What is Zuma? It? Zuba. It was what, a Colorado, Denver band. What they year were really are we talking? Cool. 94, I think. Oh, yes. Yeah. That was a good year. Yeah. They were a, a woman lead. I think there was flute and violin, but like jam band and funk. So it really touched on all the sweet spots of having a party. They were a party band. And everybody was there and having a good time. And I'm like, yeah. And, of course, everyone was in costume. Sure. So, and I was, like, in the lamest costume because everybody was really giving it up. You got it. What, what was it? Uh, my <laughs> costume was, like, slapped together. I had a hockey jersey from a hockey team I played on, like a club team. And um, they were called the Flash, <laughs> um, and the uh, with the sub name of Bamps, the badass motherfuckers. Nice, good. That's and good. Um, 
so I got like I don't know it was some ver version I got like a a clown afro and I kind of turned it into like a Snoop Dogg costume somehow because <laughs> he was <laughs> It was yeah. That seems to make it sense. It worked. It was it was good enough. <laughs> um, but there were people like fully decked out into. Really did did you catch any shit like going to pursue the mountain, trying to connect with nature? Were your folks like, "What the fuck are you?" Nobody. Doing? Um, well, I was. I think I I was um, confident enough to in that I was able to express that this was the right thing for me. Got it. And um, my my mom trusted me in that but she was really really uncomfortable with it and it was totally alien for her you know it was not something that she could relate to yeah um and um she learned she learned from me and i learned from myself and i learned from her of course one of the biggest influence of my life is my mother yeah um it was a good experience though being out there yeah i lived there i lived there for five years and the only reason why i left is because i i Really, I, I, I quickly on realized, oh, like, I want to open up a restaurant or a bar here. And I wasn't able to, like, stitch together a project. Yeah. So I came home. Back you to know, my Brooklyn? My sisters started having kids. Um, and I came back to New York. Did that, did that part appeal? Like, so at some point, for some of us, yep. either we create a project or we create a child. You know well, what I mean? Was the family piece? Was the that family piece was... Um, it's always important for me. I love, I'm very close to my family, um, even though I'm the one that's always the furthest away. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, it was very important. And I didn't, you know, I, I, I was concerned for myself. I'm like, well, if I continue to stay here in, in Aspen, um, I don't know if I'll be able to carve out, you know, the next step of what I would like to do, right. which was to be an entrepreneur. I always knew that I was, uh, had to be doing a business my own. Did that come, was your mom, was your father? They're all teachers. All teachers? Yeah, they're all. High school teachers? My father's a bio teacher, uh, college, and my mom is a um, private school teacher. No way. Second grader. Yeah. So what is this kind of impetus to be a businessman, an ambitious it's guy? Just, I, it was, uh, I, it was, it was, it's just how I felt the pieces would make sense. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So you're back in New York, have some hospitality experience. I, I'm back in, yeah, I had really cool hospitality experience. I, when I got out to Aspen, I um, got a job out, one that provided a ski pass in a good basic restaurant that was cool. And then I, one of those uh, first winters, I went out to dinner with some uh, friends. All friends are new and exciting when you're alone in a new place at cool. that age. And um, um, we went to this restaurant called Campo de Fiori. It had just opened up. It's kind of a, it was not, it was totally blown away and totally inspired. And I, I I went to them the next day and I said I want a job here. And uh, they said all we have is busboy. And I was like. Oh, man, I'm really not <laughs> expecting to be a busser. Um, but I took the job because I really, I knew I needed to be in that place. And two weeks later, Adam, the bartender, broke his femur on a tree and had to go back home to Miami. Uh, one Wait, hang on. He broke his femur on a yeah, tree? Yeah, he wrecked. And, uh, Bike? No, 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 ski, skiing. Skiing? Yeah, yeah. I wrapped it around a tree. And... Um, you know, they were like, do you know how to bartend? I'm like, of course I know how to bartend. I have this whole list of fake jobs that I could tell you about. And, uh, and it was the greatest learning uh, training grounds. It was a very intense restaurant, fairly high dollar, high energy. And they did five turns a night. Damn. It, was, it was this great, amazing uh, mix of, of really high-end clientele and burn and turn dude and it was crazy good money for you it was good money yeah yeah it good time cool. of your life probably mid-20s at this point right yeah 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 i stayed there for uh for three and a half years i quit because at, at some point it's like i you know you're i was one of the people that were doing way more you know disproportionately more work than right. others 
a month later, wherever I went to was nothing special, and they asked me to come back because it was. And, and did you do it? Yeah, of course. It was, that was my family. That's that was where I worked for almost four years. At um, this point, like being in the hospitality industry, slinging drinks, which is very lucrative, apparently. It was good. I, it was again, are you getting farther away? from that ambitious guy that wants to start his own thing or are you becoming closer to being able to start your own thing? I, I, I wasn't getting closer, but it was becoming always grow. It was growing. I was yearning for it more and more. Yeah. And I had mo always more um, uh, ideas of what I thought would be a good idea sure. and would be good in practice. And, um, and I feel like, over the years, I've, I've definitely had a lot of these ideas and have been able to put a few of them into play. Yeah. I feel like, looking back at it, a number of the ones that didn't... Stick? Well, didn't materialize. Okay, materialize, yeah. Um, would have been good. Yeah. So, we're probably 15 years past them. What's one of the ideas that got away? Oh, um, this guy, Ed Witt. Uh, this is me working in a restaurant in Manhattan called um, the Mermaid Inn. <laughs> also a, a kind of a legendary place. Yeah. And the chef of this place called Il Buco, which is totally a legendary place, name is Ed. Um, he used to come in all the time, and we became close, and we decided we're going to try and open up a restaurant. And, it, and, and, uh, and we had this idea of having a restaurant of doing whole animal and having a butcher no in, way. in 2003 that's so portland and, well it hadn't really it, it was it was it not a thing yet really be, it didn't the, it did the term like um farm to table didn't really exist i hadn't heard of it at that time right and we were talking about it and pitching it to financial people and people were looking at us like that's this kookiest idea like that's just not going to make sense and then flash to like four years later, it was the beginning of many people doing it because, <laughs> yeah. you know. Well, it prevents it makes waste. It makes like sense, yeah. If you're serving food and you connect that to sourcing food, then that makes it a richer experience. Right. It's just a bit more beautiful. Did you ever get into the restaurant biz as an owner? No. Never I never, that was I ne the idea that got away? Well, yeah, I guess that was one of them. That was definitely one of them. Yeah, that, <laughs> that was the one that I... Um, fully uh wrote the business plan for and, and 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 sketched it out and and stuff so when does the fidencio project come to mind how many years after this full farm to table thing in uh what year is this in 2006 i was um hired as an equity small equity op director of operations of a restaurant that had not yet opened and I was brought in there as like the expert because the owner was a trust funder and the chefs had never done an opening before uh, we're very talented sure. everybody's and, and stylish and um, I implemented everything and it was really gonna be a cool thing and their pay was was well was paid well and then a week later, after it was open, I was fired. What the totally fuck? For what? fucked over. I wasn't fired for anything. It was just because I was expensive, and um, oh. they, they totally played me. Uh, not they. This the owner. You know, he was the one. They're and, not still um, around, are they? Huh? They're not still around, are they? No. Good. But I still get phone calls from all the vendors that I connected to, like, you know, the POS guy and the garbage pe collection people on the pest control. And they're like. We need to. We need our money. We haven't got paid. Oh. Yeah. I mean, that that's pretty. That's pretty much ended. But that happened for years. I was getting those phone calls. Um, I'm sorry. You know, yeah, yeah. I brought you into a situation, and but you got screwed too. So oh, everybody yeah, yeah. can commit first. <laughs> so, you know, so it uh, it was a little of that. Um, but when I first left, when I left Aspen and moved back to New York, um, the general manager of a place. Um, called Ajax Tavern in Aspen, this guy Chris Correo, he was a GM of a place in Manhattan called the Red Cat, which really changed my life. I went in there for a job, and um, I, I got the job, and it was the coolest, most special, one of those just magical places to work, people to work with, yeah. and 
that's where I met my business partner, Amy. She was bartending along with me. And actually, she hired me because she didn't want to bartend anymore because, you know, it's maybe the same or less money than a server and, right, like, right. you know, 60% more work. So, um, but they wouldn't let her go onto the floor because it was hard to replace a bartender in that right. because it... So, anyway, she, she, put, she, she effectively hired me. The most amazing people, everybody at the Red Cat, you know who you are. I have to total love for all of Academy you. Award speech right now. <laughs> yes. And, um, and, and then, so when I got fired at that place, Amy, this had been years later, she had been living in, in Oaxaca because she and her travels um, came upon this place in Puerto Escondido on the coast of Oaxaca where there's beautiful hotel in disrepair but amazing property. And she came back, fundraised for it, and and that's her business still. No way. So she, when I called her, I'm like, oh, I was so mad, I got fucked over. And she's like, honey, forget about that. Um, it's off, you know, it's some, they just had bought um, the ap small apartments right. next to the property next to them. And they were not planning or they were in the on season, so they weren't going to be doing anything with it. So she's like, listen, come down. You know, there's no AC, but you got a place to stay. And uh, I went down there and I, I, I remember clear detail what happens. I get into the room and she comes running in and she's like, so good to see you. And then she goes, I can't talk. Five weddings in four weeks. I'm mommy, to the mommy of the bride like this. And she's, you know, hands to the top of her eyes. And she's like, but wait, I want you to meet some people. You want to fly to Oaxaca, to the city, uh, after the weekend. And we get in the plane. It was a three-seat Cessna. Oh, dude. And, uh, was it stomach-turning? No, I was loving it's it. good, it yeah. It super cool. <laughs> oh, that's and, right. Um, and she's like, we're going to do a mezcal. And I was like, oh. And at the time, I had a couple that were inspiring. Yeah. And um, more that I didn't enjoy. And... Or, and and in all cases, like many people in those days and many people it, it, even now at the journey didn't have an understanding of, oh, it's 100% agave, but is it Blue Weber? Because I knew about tequila, but I right. didn't understand what made mezcal mezcal. And um, so that's when I started my journey. And then we went to, well, through, through Oaxaca, through the mountains, and saw a lot of production, and eventually met Enrique Jimenez who in, in Matatlan. And he's our producer and partner in Fidencio. And he, he's an he has an engineering or chemical yeah, chemistry degree, yeah, right? Yeah. So he's a fourth generation mescalero and farmer, Zapotec, and uh, a unique guy. And he was the first person in his family to go to university. And he got an industrial chemical engineering, which we could call that the distiller's degree. Absolutely. And uh, he's a creative person and a tinkerer. And we, um, he, when we met him, he has 70% finished building out enough to open the lights and open the, the, the stills at his palenque across the street from his father's palenque. No way. So he was branching out on his own. Um, and the timing was really cool because we were like, hey, I'm interested. He's like, I'm ready. And I'm, you know, not, you know, he was untethered. Yeah. And um, and then like two months later, he he sends me a, a first test batch, and I was like, oh, this is really good. And um, and then we then it was two and a half more years until we figured out how to actually make a brand, make a company, you know, and actually launch the product. But it was the one, the first one that stuck. It the was the one brilliant yes. idea. Yeah, it was the first one that stuck. And when we launched Fidencio in 2009, it was a, it was a pretty significant year for Mezcal because in that year, um, we were one of 11 brands in the United States and three brands lost, launched that year, Fidencio, Illegal, and Sombra. And they're all still around. Oh, yeah. Um, and everybody, them and myself and the guys before us, have influenced a lot of people and touched a lot of people and you know shared and educated and and this category that was we were 11 brands in the united states i last i heard it was like 190 so 
I'm sure in, Not, a, in, yeah. in, in, in the foreseeable future, we're going to be at 400 brands. Easily. Huh? How, how does it easily get yeah, to be 400? Yeah, yeah, yeah. How, all right. So how does it feel in a way being part of the first wave of Mezcal and that Mezcal movement? I mean, it feels cool. It feels wonderful. It feels satisfying because believe, so many of those people... Um, or not those people, but the people around me yeah. were totally, I, I would completely explain what I saw it would be. And I think I had, a, I know that I had a lot of um, helpful insight from being in the restaurant and bar industry. Yeah. And, um, and that was huge for me, you know. And that gave me the confidence to say, this is real. Because what I saw was beautiful flavors and um profound history sure. so at that time in 2007 8 we launched in 2009 i mean people had already come around to their um you know to 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 really uh being gravitating towards and and needing and yearning provenance and stories right, and traditional right. flavors whether you know you know in the in in 2009, you could have even get um, in Long Island wineries where I come from. Yeah. You know, you could get, there were people um, producing Blau Frankish and Tokai Friulano, where just five years before that, it was only Chardonnay Merlot. So I think from the, if you use that as an analogy, like it was really in that short period where everybody went from like a Coca Cola palette to something where we are now where we're really still as a society like really changing and really a, a, a open yeah we've opened a lot so and that's uh, big for mezcal obviously. absolutely because the market's saturated in every kind of way food saturated tv saturated music blah 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 so self-discovery and self-identification is something that brings people to mezcal because mezcal on the whole now, there are some brands that want to beat you over the head with it and say it's your new favorite thing. We're a trusted friend, whatever. Fine, fine. I don't have the money for that. But <laughs> many people coming into their own as adults, as creative powers, fuck towards Mezcal. And that is not a bad fucking team to be playing for. To, oh, to create like independent thinkers, people that want to come into their own. Yeah, I, I like the way you put it, Mike. Yeah, I, I wouldn't have put it in those words, but I totally agree with you. Yeah. And, and, and so much more in that it, it, there's every consumer, every, every person who's drinking mezcal and engaging with it has their own story. But it's clear that as a group, it's, it's really resonating as a category yeah. to a larger and growing group of people. Did yeah. you ever think... I'm sure you had no idea how the category of mezcal would grow, but Fidencio in itself, multiple SKUs now, almost 10 years into the game. Do you guys have an exit strategy? Do you have an exit strategy? I heard some stuff, but I don't know if it's true or not. Um, we are firmly in our strategy, which is um, we're going to keep on producing. We all, like, for the past... Five years, I would say, our growth is um, strictly like keeping up with our property because we're primarily Espadín, even though we do have other expressions. Right. Um, and that is all of our Espadín is from our state, so it's not sourced outside that. Uh, and so we're we've been at sort of that max plus whatever foresight was in the growth of farming 10 years prior yeah. that we're getting to realize in the, over the years now um, 7, 12% growth so Fidencio yeah, we're not really it's not, it's not really, that's the plan we're going to keep on doing it yeah. but what that means is it, it, it can't be a colossal ginormous brand there's, there's not enough liquid to mm -hmm. be made in that way but we're, we're, we don't compromise um like i said we don't buy liquid do, right. do things that 
would go outside of um, Enrique's uh, ethos and my ethos. So for me, growth and my growth, was, my opportunity for that was as an importer. And then in, in, that's when I got to that next stage for me in 2014. Cerveceria? How do you say the uh, Allende? Uh, so Allende. I, Allende. Allende. Yeah. From you San Miguel de Allende. See, I, you know, I'm a white guy in Texas. Yeah, I'm in yeah. Austin, obviously. Yeah, yeah. But this is an amazing opportunity. Well, Some of the, the, stuff first, the first up. is with um, my brother Esteban, Esteban and launched his brand La Venenosa yes. and, you know, brought Ricea to the United States through his vision. What, so, all right. No one's heard of Ricea in the States at this point, right? You create I a category. I think seven people heard of Ricea <laughs> at that time. Yeah, and it was all, all from a like suitcase. <laughs> <laughs> There's a very tight-knit crew. Yeah. It's, just, it's completely underground. The demo tape circulating. The yep, exactly. What made you, what compelled you to create a category? Well, I wouldn't say I created a category, but I brought that, I launched that category. Um, and... Um, Oh, it was just the obvious thing because, you know, for me, it's the flavor of agave spirits are so amazing. And I, I get excited by diversity of experiences sure. within that. So I, it was a no-brainer that th these things, these ricias, these agave spirits from Jalisco are, are through every, re for all the reasons, are opening up my palate to completely again another set of all new experiences so that's it really that's really thrilling for me so i to me i'm sure i think of it i, I get you know you get blinded like maybe others like oh everybody thinks the way i do so <laughs> and like i'll just bring in this and everybody's gonna <laughs> want it and it's gonna be that easy because it's so obviously good, and um, obviously. You know, maybe the, the trajectory wasn't in sync with that, but um, the the results are are there. We are really we have it in a lot of markets with a lot of people, and there's a lot of people passionate about the category right. and the brand, and we've all worked together. It is, and we're Esteban has introduced producers to other brand developers and owners, and the category is going to grow. And grow and and it's just gonna be another part of the agave spectrum and the story I so this is how I look at it you went to Aspen you saw it a little high in the mountains you yeah. know what I mean a little bit of edge a little bit of fury <laughs> that that kind of propensity and that kind of edge and that kind of buzz doesn't end uh, so Ricea Ricea is punk rock it is unbridled. It is beautiful. But you have to dig deep through what are unfamiliar flavors. So in a way, maybe you're kind of the guy discovering these bands and saying, I'm going to bring it to the forefront of American culture. Now, I know these guys do this. I'm not, I don't want to give you too much credit, right? But well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I do, I do really, really, really um, love and almost like, uh, um, I don't know, fantasize about your analogy because... Um, I, you reminded me that right when I came back from my Aspen, the thing that I thought I was going to do, which I tried in one moment, or uh, I tried and just didn't really, I didn't know how to figure it out. Yeah. But I wanted to be an A&R guy and I Dude, wanted to be exa now. Exactly. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, so you're, yeah, thanks for reminding me. You and are the A&R guy <laughs> for the Ricea genre, man. You did it, but like you found your own pathway to bringing these bands, these labels, these marks in, and you've impacted culture in that way. That's not a bad thing. No, 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 no. <laughs> I guess I was really that's thinking of it that way. It becomes satisfying again because I certainly didn't become anybody's A and R guy for a band. <laughs> so I walked into. I was like a week back in New York, and I walk into this club, and I heard. Um, it was just this amazing female vocalist playing with, over like this unbelievable live drum and bass group. Yeah. And it was just like an American soul singer with this like, you know, Austro-German drum and bass maniacs. And 
I was like, guys, we're going to do this. You're amazing. <laughs> and they're like, okay, cool. So I call up a couple of people that I know business. They're like, all right, we'll try to set up a meeting. And then like, you know, nine days later, they broke up. <laughs> and oh, like, my oh God. okay. They carry, but you're carrying the torch, so to speak. But yeah, but that was definitely something I, 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 I saw myself doing. And, and I mean, I had that outlet definitely with, um, you know, exploring projects with Agave and connecting with people. How many years later are we talking now since you started to bring Ben and Nosa? You said four years that in was, Texas, we, right? We launched it, what day is it today? We launched it yesterday, four years ago. No shit, so it's almost uh, the anniversary. It, uh, we launched it on the 23rd of September, 24th, yesterday, four years ago. No way. Love Ben uh, what? Well, that was the first um, seminar event I did. So maybe the product had been in within less than a week of yeah. that time. Yeah. Dude, I can't believe we're here almost four years later talking about this thing. And it was a bummer, that event, because I thought everybody was going to show up. But instead, um, at another venue, a very awesome venue, um, it was like three bur- like hotshot bourbon master distillers. It was at New York Distilling, Alan Katz's yeah, like, yeah. distilling And like... Dave Pickerel and like th- two other bourbon hotshot masters all were doing like this mega master class oh, no. and basically nobody showed up for my <laughs> class. I was like god damn it and of course <laughs> there was no intention to you know you know there was nothing like that but uh, hey man I was a bunch of heavy hitters over there yeah. and um yeah my my my, inst- my my Facebook game was not strong enough at all, <laughs> <laughs> all right so but, I mean, think about it four years later. You're here with Esteban. You're at Las mm-hmm. Perlas. You're talking about what I see. You're talking about these mezcals, which we'll talk about the Rumbas in a second because we're sipping the Tamalipas, yes. which is fucking remarkable. remarkable. But reflecting back, taking the mind, relaxing just a little bit, how have these past four years been? You feel good about it? I do. I do. I do. And I have a lot of ups and downs. Um, and I've learned about uh things about myself yeah and i've learned about some things that are um in that are documented and and and, and written um uh, that entrepreneurs independent business people go through and experience in trials and tribulations and right. i found moments where i relate and and, and 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 victim of and persevere through and those kind of things um and i'm totally grateful yeah. Has love changed your life a bit? I know that I know I'm a huge softy guy. I'm an empath. Have I taken some Cosmopolitan magazine quizzes and I apparently am <laughs> I'm an empath? But you nice. got married last year. That's gotta make married, it good, got, right? Yeah, yep. Uh, amazing. Um, and yes, Courtney and, and that love has um, really been just the greatest thing in my life. And um you know, we started dating five or years ago, but I've known her for two months after I launched Financio. She no moved way. to New York uh, to do this place called La Biblioteca, the largest agave program in, still in New York. Where she moved to New York to, to be the librarian, the tequila librarian. And I did a cold call, and that's how I met her. And my company's two months old. And I'm like, oh, she's really hot. <laughs> I go for the girl or go for the sale. <laughs> she had a boyfriend at a time and I had a girlfriend at a time, so it wasn't like a thing. But uh, we, we, we became friends and, um, and I, I was always very, very enamored by her. And I can't be, uh, tell you, I, I'm the luckiest man. I think that's lovely. It's circling back to us both being lucky on this night, man, to love, right? But the reason that you're here in Austin You've got these amazing products in your portfolio, but tonight was all about the Roombas. Yes. I sipped, along with you and Esteban, six mezcales from multiple states. Now, this is the thing, too. There's an AR. Now, I know Durumbas, in terms of a brand, isn't necessarily your brand, but I've, you're deeply invested, passionate about it. But it's kind of like the A&R guy <laughs> going to Nebraska, going to idaho and saying there is fucking talent here 
I am going to find it. I think in that, yeah, yeah, in that case, so it's, that project is partnership with Esteban uh, Morales, Sergio Mendoza, yeah. uh, and Ivan Robles, and it's uh, those guys who are putting together and searching and finding the people um, for that project. And uh, I'm fortunate enough to get to tell their story yeah. and share it. Dude. And I like their story a lot. I lo- Man, I love those guys. Yeah. I ch- you know, I talked to Esteban about yeah. Sergio in a little bit. Like, He's a romantic guy. He's a playwright in a way, right? <laughs> but these... We sip through these six, right? So that one or Sergio? Sergio. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, man. yeah, yeah. No, he did lovely, lovely guy. Esteban's more of the art, the the graphics and the artist, yeah. and Sergio's the literary. <laughs> wow, they're both literary. He's a huge fan of Tennessee Williams. That was something I learned about Sergio, which I thought was brilliant. Right. Prototypical love, repressed homosexuality in uh, the French Quarter of New Orleans. Right. So, <laughs> but taken through this narrative, right? Uh-huh. So we sip through six. Oaxaca, it's great. It was a blend of Tobala and Espadine, 70-30. Wonderful, right? Yeah. Cool. Kind of what you'd expect. Now, not to say it's boring, but all right, this is great mezcal at a good proof, at a good price. Okay, but then we venture a little darker. This is into the older movies of Stanley Kubrick, the darker <laughs> stuff, right? The Spielberg 1942 shit that no one knows existed, and we go to San Luis Potosi, which is one of the most remarkable one of the most unique mezcals I've ever had. So just tell me, tell me about how you feel about that mezcal when you sip it. Well, <clears throat> when I think of that mezcal, the first thing I think of is Courtney, my wife, because as soon as we all got, you know, open up the Christmas gifts and taste the samples, of yeah. course she's with me. And um, immediately that's her favorite. And... Uh, I think of her a lot when I think of that mezcal. It's, yeah. it's, it's powerful. It's pretty. It's unforgettable. It's different. Sure. Um, and um, and in the set, they're all that way. They're all unique and independent, and that's part of the nature of doing a project like yeah. that. Of like working with different people in different places and insisting on ch- making choices that in the case of Derumbes are um, are, are t- traditional representations and <clears throat> iconic expressions of these places. Right, so like the, the quintessential way to enjoy mezcal in a particular state. I mean, I, I get what you guys are kind of perhaps what you're trying to do. It's like what style most reflects that state? Is that kind of yeah, 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 very much so. Very much so. Wow. I know, and you pause for the picture of this pretty fan. <laughs> <laughs> no, but so, do you listen to the Beatles at all? I don't spend too much time listening to the Beatles, but I don't know, you know, it's impossible to not hear the Beatles. What is, well, there's that. Is there a band that you are very much into that has a nice catalog of records? Yeah. that are changing faces, changing styles from record to record? Ooh. Ah. Um. Tom Waits. Oh, yeah, there you go. Uh, you know, for a while for me, I was really into like the whole progression of the George Clinton Funkadelic oh, Parliament yes. stuff. Um, but of, what I'm getting at yeah. is that it's a, it's the same artist, kind of, but we're traversing state to state to state six times over, and each of these things are reimagined. They are reformed. They're so different and they're so unique in this portfolio. What, what stitches it together are the brand owners are Esteban yeah. and Sergio and Ivan and the choices that they make and to fit their ideal of their brand right. through that. So that's what makes some of the connection to the, to the products and um, where, you te- where you'll definitely in 
mezcal and spirits, see a house style by a producer yeah. of different varietals, whatever. You could feel that house style because there's every reason. The water is the same or the microbial environment, right. equipment. Here, all that's very, very varied, but what's the same is the ideology and sort of the palate of the people. Sure. And you feel a house style in a much broader and more as abstract way, but it's there, and I feel that. Dude, I, I love this Indiana Jones pursuit of mezcal. Artifacts from these different <laughs> regions within the same place, uncovering flavors that people have not yet previously been exposed to. I'm so happy you're working with Victory because those are the best people in Texas. If you guys don't know, fine, you'll find out soon enough. These are the guys to share the passion and to share these amazing textured. They're brilliant mezcal. guys and their portfolio is amazing. Dude, there's no yeah. better portfolio. You got amazing label mates in this place. Happy Texas. about it. So we're sipping Tamaulipas. This was an incredible mezcal. This is the, oh man, what kind of, I can't recall the, the particular bridal here. Oh, it's a blend. It's an ensemble of four. Agave, Americana. Oh, Funkiana, right? Funkiana. It's got the funk. Montana. Univitata. Americana is the foundation sure. and the largest source of the sugars. And Agave Montana. Montana. Yeah. And those three, not Americana, are found only in Tamaulipas. That's amazing. So this is a Tamaulipas mezcal. We are introduced to a place we can go. But this will transport us right every on. single sip. <laughs> so I got two questions left for you. Cool. I know you're heading to Dallas probably early in the morning. You're yes. Do some more, more of this gospel, spreading the wonderful word in the mezcales. I think about this particular mezcal, this Tomalipas, the blend of four, the ensemble. And I think you're anywhere in the world. I don't. It doesn't matter where. You're at your favorite mezcalería in the world, and you're sipping this exact mezcal. If you could have a conversation with anybody, living or deceased, who might you like to just sit next to I'm, and just wax poetic with? I'm really, really enjoying this mezcal with a conversation <laughs> with Mike G here at Las Perlas. No joke, in Austin, Texas. Seriously, man, thank you. Thank you for the oh, it's joyful it's my conversation. Appreciate it. I'll say this. How do you Despite like that layup? This is like what it, so magic and oh no 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 so this <laughs> I'm trying to think eight, Lakers eighty nineteen ninety nineteen eighty eight kind of setup best basketball team ever fucking right dude yeah, well I was I was living in Detroit though so I was as I as I was Thomas living in New York but I saw them live at at, at uh, was it at Coliseum in, in California oh yeah no, forgot what the arena was um, but twice oh um, dude with the whole team Rambis Kareem oh. Worthy. They're amazing. Dude. It was amazing basketball. At a time when basketball was way better than it is. Magic. Oh, yeah. It was a little bit more fun than a little more gritty. People would throw a goddamn punch once in a while. Inside. It was an Seriously? inside game. Yeah, dude. It was. All right. I digress. But we could talk about 80s basketball all the goddamn All day time. long. <laughs> so what's next? Well, you're, how many more cities do you have on this tour with? Um. Well... I, I try not to do a tour because of my own personal stability and well-being. Right. Um, so I'll we we're, we'll be in Dallas tomorrow, and on Thursday I come home, touch base. Uh, but in this month it is busy, and I'm going to be in Reno, LA, uh, and Minneapolis, and um, I'm I'm so psyched for all three of those trips because of you know LA is a big market and it's been a big market for us and I really appreciate them I've never been to Reno Dude. Uh, for, for, for work I yeah. have been there and everyone tells me that it's like really evolved and really um, going through a moment so I'm mm. excited to see it and I think Minneapolis um, we've been working there for a few years and every time I go there and meet a person and talk to somebody it's just that it's it's a really warm and genuine experience and i love going there so Amazing. but i and 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 i'm fortunate that i put together i got lucky with a, a group of distributors like you mentioned victory um that really invest in in the brands that i 
present yeah. and, and and invest in um, in in what we do for the other you know 360 days that I'm not there and they're and I'm really grateful to all of them and that beautiful sort of mindful artisanal distributor network that I'm fortunate to work with it's really special people I wouldn't be nowhere without them it's amazing well. and I don't say this often well fucking done thank you and these are brilliant marks you have the coolest marks the things that set the trends you know what i mean and like who cares right but you found the right bands they're gonna be successful <laughs> you got your legacy man. i like listening to the music that's for sure and boston more than a feeling is playing right now <laughs> this is a hell of a way to go out right a, some more mescal i'm sure but such a pleasure chatting finally a couple years ago We'll have to keep in touch for sure. Absolutely. Thank Talk you, soon, Mike. yeah. Thank you. So there we have it. It's a great chat with Arc Torn of Fidencio Mescal. And I want to ask everybody just one question. Where really would we be with Raicia and multi-state mezcales if it wasn't for Arc's efforts? I think this is not a rhetorical question. I think we should all ask ourselves and see if we would be as far along. You know, some of these partnerships he's had with Esteban, who's also been on the show, they really create beautiful products, but they create products that make you inquisitive about as to where they come from, as to how they're made. And I think this is a really, really interesting piece of Ark's journey. And not to mention, he's a super nice, warm, fun guy, and it's always great to see him in town. So, Ark, thank you so much for sitting down with me and chatting about your beautiful products and your very, very clever life. So, everybody, I wanted to make one announcement. My apologies for not having released an episode in a few weeks. I've been hard at work on season one and now season two of Three Minute Tasting, where a co-host and I review a single spirit in the vast world of spirits. And we try to give you an idea as to what to buy and as to what not to buy i'll post a link it's up on youtube and there's lots of jokes along the way so thanks everybody for listening to show to v with mike g no matter how many times you're watching beat bobby flay and you're starting to get the radio announcer voice in your head or if you doom going to weddings because god how many people are getting married just this month please keep dancing